0: Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Across the ASEAN, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Across the ASEAN today on Money FM 89.3, and we are nearing the end of a fairly challenging year for Southeast Asia's economies. In fact, most of them started out 2021 with high hopes of a rebound and a strong recovery from the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, which, can you believe it or not, has been now raging for almost two years. But what followed swiftly in the months to, uh, in the in the in the succeeding months were a resurgence of COVID-19 infections across major economies that saw many countries actually reenact lockdowns to try and control the pandemic and thus also weighed and slowly eroded some of these high hopes. Can we expect the same for Southeast Asia next year with hopes once renewed once again that maybe 2022 may be the region's year? Well, today on Across the ASEAN, we are pleased to be joined by Mr. Yuben Paracueles, who is the Senior Economist for Nomura. He joins us live today to help us recap and make sense of the year that was for Southeast Asia and what might be in store for the very economies across this very diverse region in the year ahead. Mr. Patakuelas, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to hear you and your loved ones are still safe and in good health during these very uncertain times and we look forward and we do appreciate you joining us on the show, sir. Good afternoon. Hey, JP. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. So, you know, you've been I jokingly say to people that one of the most frustrating jobs in 2021 must have been for an economist covering Southeast Asia, which I believe is your title. I'm sure that at the start of the year, you had promising projections also, which then were cut down almost every quarter, perhaps not not uh, reluctantly, because of Delta and these outbreaks really weighing on the economies. And you can see it play out, whether it be in Thailand, the Philippines, Vietnam, you name it, every economy perhaps also felt that effect. Tell us, uh, from your experience, over the last 12 months. How challenging was this year for the region and economists like yourself who are covering it?
1: Yeah, it's been a, a very long year. Uh, <laughs> challenging is, uh, I'd say, a little bit of an understatement is really trying to uh, understand the um, uh, impact of the, the recurrence of uh, the virus um, and uh, importantly, trying to uh, also assess uh, what sort of Policy responses uh, were going to come both on uh, fiscal and monetary policy, uh, but also trying to um, gauge the impact of these responses uh, after, you know, having very large uh, stimulus programs in 2020. So these things have started to wane off a little bit at the same time. Uh, you know, the resurgence of these waves have uh, kept coming back. So it made for a really uncertain year, very dif- difficult to forecast uh, growth numbers and, you know, assess the impact of various policy responses.
0: OK, yeah. And, you know, I mean, we were actually me and Rachel actually talking a while ago about uh, the importance of getting uh, quality sleep. And I, I, I probably wouldn't be surprised if uh, that also was a challenge for you, given how, challenge, given how some of these uh, unpredictabilities actually played out. Now, it wasn't just challenging, but the attempts at an economic recovery were quite uneven across the region. In fact, we saw the COVID-19 pandemic really hit economies across Southeast Asia in, uh, in differing scales. Now, is the same expected for the region? in the year ahead, based on Nomura's projections. Is there still more unevenness, perhaps, in store for Southeast Asia in 2022?
1: Yeah, I would say um, it is still going to be a a multi-speed recovery in the region, like we saw this year. Uh, So, in other words, there will be economies that will do relatively well uh, and then others will uh, lag far behind. But but in terms of the unevenness, I think uh, that unevenness is probably narrowing a little bit uh, across the region, but also within these economies. Uh, I guess because, uh, you know, vaccinations have picked up a little bit and and those laggard sectors that were worst hit by the regions, uh, by by the virus, uh, start to uh, catch up a little bit. So uh, from that perspective, uh, we are uh, most positive on countries that have had very high vaccination rates, so Singapore and I would put Malaysia as well. Uh, On that camp, at the other end of the spectrum, we've got uh, um, Indonesia and the Philippines still relatively low, and then I'd say neutral for, for Thailand because they've done well, but not quite as high yet as, as Singapore and Malaysia.
0: It seems that the spectrum seems to be going from west to east in terms of optimism to pessimism here. And uh, I want to start off, of course, with the best. And the theme, according to Nomura, based on your outlook, is to look west. Singapore and Malaysia, as you mentioned, expected to outperform the region. Apart from vaccination rates, what might be underpinning the more outstanding outlook for the countries across this causeway?
1: Yeah, so a couple of things. So I mentioned policy responses. I think it's been uh, uh, pretty strong in Singapore, and I think that's going to continue. Malaysia, our assumption is uh, they're going to call elections sometime in the second half of next year. Uh, That means the political cycle will be such that uh, we'll get uh, a bit more um, uh, uh, expansion of fiscal stance, particularly on on infrastructure. And that's what we saw in the budget. So these things uh, tend to be implemented fairly well uh, during an election year. So that's going to provide a a little bit of a boost. And then, like I said, the support that uh, the laggard sectors, those that are kind of uh, you know, worst hit by the, the virus, I think is going to catch up uh, quite rapidly uh, as these um, economies reopen and their uh, the restrictions in the borders are also being relaxed. So I think when these things uh, start to happen, um, like we saw in, in some parts this year, uh, the catch up is going to be quite
0: uh, strong. Indeed. Now, on the flip side, according to the report, you're most cautious on the Philippines, which is also facing an election uh, sometime next year, which is also seen as a bit of a you know, an uplift at least for GDP. But you're still remaining fairly cautious as compared to the other countries. Could you talk to us about what's underpinning this hesitancy, at least for that country in the eastern side of this region?
1: Yeah, that's right. So the key thing there is really vaccination uh, rate. So, you know, it's only slightly above 30 percent of the population that's fully vaccinated. Uh, I think that's going to leave the country at risk of, um, you know, new variants uh, resurging and, and you know, being uh, in and out of lockdowns again, which proved to be uh, disruptive uh, to economic activity. So that's a, a clear risk that we see uh, for next year. Uh, but also when it comes to policy, so you mentioned the elections um, in the Philippines means uh, elections tend to boost uh, consumer spending but I see that link actually now weakening uh, because of fundamental factors. Um, unemployment rates for example are still fairly high at more than 7% um, and at the same time the support from the fiscal side is going to be sort of reversing and weakening uh, because of uh, a Supreme Court ruling which is basically mandating a higher budget for local governments and I think local governments are not ready. They, they don't have uh, a lot of of absorptive capacity, uh, and so what will happen is all that funding that's given to them might not be uh, spent. So there'll be a lot of underspending, which means there's some form of fiscal paralysis that could happen
0: uh, despite the elections. We're still to to Mr. Yubin as the senior economist for Nomura here and across the ASEAN to talk about their outlook for the ASEAN region across the, uh, for 2022. There is one theme that I've noticed uh, as we've been discussing the outlook, Yubin, and it's that it's it's a the theme of government support. Now, this played a huge role in supporting a lot of economies as they tried to lessen or minimize the impact of COVID-19 at the start uh, at, at last year. And it continues to play a role for economies, including here in In Singapore. Um, How important is this going to be for Southeast Asia um, heading into next year? Is this going to be this ever-present theme that Southeast Asian economies and governments will have to rely on, that governments have to have the capacity to at least step up and uh, meet some of these challenges and help jumpstart these ailing economies?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, fiscal policy remains very critical. Uh, I know uh, because of the stimulus programs that they've had in the last couple of years, uh, debt levels are high um, or higher. Uh, But I'd say if you compare it to... you know uh, other emerging markets, I think that levels here in the region are are still relatively manageable, so I think there is still scope for them to to be able to uh, provide some of these support measures and especially for the vulnerable sectors uh, but the question is really um uh, in some parts execution, but also um, the government's kind of becoming a little bit more conservative because they worry about ratings downgrades and debt levels uh,
0: higher compared to before. All right. Now, uh, we do have to talk about that other big issue that many markets and um, the economy watchers are also talking about across the world, and that's inflation, which is now not being classified as transitory, if you believe the U.S. Federal Reserve. Um, inflation is also a big issue facing many countries across the region. How might the inflation story develop for the region. What nuances do you think we should be aware of, Yubin?
1: Yeah, in in ASEAN, fortunately, that's the one thing that, uh, you know, some of these economies have it going for them. Uh, Inflation uh, is not as high or not rising uh, uh, like we see in in other uh, global economies like the U.S. in particular. Uh, so inflation is uh, generally benign uh, I would say the exception is, is Singapore but that's really consistent with the fact that the recovery has been very strong uh, labor markets have had a V-shaped recovery and so ultimately I think wage inflation is going to pick up uh, and that's going to cause some upward pressures on, on inflation but most of the other countries in the region uh, there are some fiscal subsidies that are still in place uh, so that's keeping fuel prices stable um, and uh, yet the demand uh, really is still relatively be muted. Uh, So I think that's not going to cause too much uh, upside pressures on inflation.
0: All right. Now, because we're talking about inflation, we have to talk also about the response of policymakers across the world. Of course, we know later on at 3 a.m. Singapore time, the U.S. Fed might announce plans to begin tightening their policy at a quicker clip. Now, it's been noted that Southeast Asia has shown to be fairly sensitive to Fed rate movements or interest rate movements in the past. How might this influence economies, fund flows and even monetary policies across the region even if the U.S. Fed does embark on this tightening phase as many are expecting?
1: Yeah, I think the, the impact would be relatively uh, limited uh, compared to uh, uh, the previous rate hike cycle of the Fed. And the reason I say that is really, uh, again, because the inflation dynamics are, are very different here in the region. Uh, and so central banks can afford to stay patient. Uh, they are not looking to raise rates uh, um, you know as quickly um, as the fed will, will is projected to be uh, but also the rate hiking cycle will be relatively modest as well they're not looking to kind of bring back to uh, go back to pre-pandemic levels of the pulse rate uh, again because the main goal is really to try and and, and support uh, the recoveries uh, the only country that I think might be at risk here is really Indonesia because uh, it's still a current account deficit country the current account deficit will come back uh, uh, next year um, and uh, the central bank is actually uh, doing more quantitative easing so in other words they're doing the uh, the opposite of what the Fed is now doing um, and so that tends to be putting some downward pressure on the currency and if they want the currency to, to stabilize I think that might force Bank Indonesia to raise rates a little bit
0: earlier. Of course we know the Bank of Indonesia also set to hold their policy meeting tomorrow along with the BSP and the rate and the talk of central bank policies does begin as this smorgasbord of meetings also kicks off uh, in the next uh, couple of hours. I'd like to thank Yubin Baracuelas, the uh, senior economist for uh, Nomura, for joining us today on Across the ASEAN here on Money FM 89.3. Yubin, I always wish, as always, I wish you and your loved ones continued continue health and safety during these times, and we look forward next time we can have you join the show. Meanwhile, stay safe, sir, and we hope you have a great holiday season ahead. You too. Thanks.